0: What up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 128, that's right, episode 128 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Pause this episode and go leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court, then press play, because we have a great one for you. B-Ball Breakdown Zone, Coach Nick Returns to combos court. It's always great talking hoops with Coach Nick. If you enjoy basketball analysis on YouTube, you've probably come across Coach Nick's videos. If you haven't, go check it out. B ball breakdown on YouTube. That's B B A L L B R E A K D O W N. You know you could find me on Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it.
1: Luca on the track.
0: Nick, B-Ball Breakdown. Welcome back to Combos Court, man. How are you feeling today?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate
0: it. Anytime. Have you started a political podcast,
1: Nick? <laughs> I have, actually, believe it or not. And it's been going really, really well. Uh, it's been pretty crazy because uh, nobody wants to talk politics on the basketball side of things, but, uh, but everyone's really digging it. That's pretty cool because I actually was going to ask you today before I even found out about it if you ever thought
0: about making videos outside of the basketball world.
1: Well, I, people, I used to write screenplays. It's what got me out to LA, and people and I'll you know tweet sometimes about movies, and I'll always have people ask me, "Hey, you should be doing this for movies," and um, I would love to do it. It's just kind of hard because where do I get the footage? Uh, you know, I could get a little bit from the previews, and maybe you can fashion something out of that, and the rest of it could be me talking to the camera. But uh, I don't know. I might I might do that with all my all my spare time that I don't have. Right, right. Speaking of spare time, how much time goes into actually making great videos
0: and having a great YouTube page like b Breakdown?
1: You know, minimum, it's four hours, four and a half hours to do a video. Uh, Usually, it's probably closer to five and a half, six. And my wife jokes with me because she always asks me, well, how much time do you need left? How much time is left? And whenever I tell her, (laughs) she just doubles it. And that's probably more accurate than I want it to be, but uh, it's true. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, sounds good. Let's shift to the NBA. I've discussed this before on the podcast, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, what could be done to um, unlock the Sixers offense in terms of just where you would move maybe a Ben Simmons around? I mean, everybody's talking about you-, you should move Joel or you should move Ben, but I think if you're creative as a coach, you could get things done with those two together. Um, I think they're still going to win the East. What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, well, I mean, currently they're I think they're fifth in the East, so – i don 't know if they 're going to actually win it, but um, <laughs> okay you know and, and, and it's um, it 's frustrating they 're like you know very mediocre in the half court offense I think they 're rated on synergy like fifteenth or sixteenth half court wise and so um, you know and, and I kind of try to peek at some footage to get wrap my head around it because it 's the same stuff we 've been seeing for the last couple of years, and clearly, with Ben Simmons you know he did all this work with the uh, jump shot and it 's just not happening he 's just not taking them i don 't think he wants to. So he's posting up a lot. He's doing some high post stuff. Uh, you know, there is a world, I suppose, that you can fashion a, a system of offense that allows them to play free and maximize the Simmons. But with his SAG, the Simmons SAG, it really is just a buzzkill for everybody else. And they're also going to play Horford in there, who, funnily enough, there were some rumors, like maybe a week ago he wanted to get out of there and he wasn't happy with his role in the offense. But if you look at the numbers, they're pretty close to what he would normally have gotten over the last several years. So it's a little bit confusing to me on that end too, because he's getting the production that it's not that far off. I was assuming that I look at it and be like, Oh, he's scoring four points a game last getting hardly any shots. So uh, uh, that's something he's
0: feeling in the locker room, you know? uh, uh,
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, by the way, is, and I talk to people who are, who know, and I've asked them, you know, do you think that Joel and Simmons is the pairing that could get them to the finals or win a finals? And I, I don't get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, optimism on that front. So, uh, you know, but, you know, could you get Simmons, you know, the, his best version of himself is when he's driving and kicking, getting into the lane. And the worst version, which is happens more often, is when he kind of hangs around the low post, uh, or even on the perimeter, and his man can muck up all of everything else. So um, they they haven't been able to solve that that dilemma of like keeping him involved and getting him attacking and balancing that with all the other guys. You see guys like you know uh, Durant. I'm sorry, uh, Harden, and even Luca. They control the show and they fill up the box score like no other. Right. Uh, but but the biggest reason is that they can shoot it. And that spreads everything out. And without that, we get what we have with Simmons, which is, you know, talent. But um, I think it's a problem. And I don't know if it's ever going to be solved. Do you feel there's something that they could do, like maybe run Simmons off screens
0: and get him flashing to the high post or just anything from a tactical standpoint?
1: Sure. I mean, I think that him coming off of handoffs. For, I'm, okay. a, I'm like, I love handoffs and get him on the, uh, you know, in the right corner so he can come off with a left-hand dribble, although he's you know, pretty good at the right one, too. And he's got this still this weird fetish about shooting all, everything right-handed near the rim. But um, right. either way, for some reason, coming off a pin down into a handoff in pistol action, to me, it, it just screams like that's where they could get him going more. Now, again, you can't do that every time, but they certainly can increase that a lot And, you know, when we've seen him make those awesome passes to cutters or kicking out to threes, like in that Harden mold that even Harden doesn't even do anymore, but he used to, those are the actions that we see out of that. In fact, I'll probably do a video because I don't want to do a video on Simmons that's negative. I'm tired of doing those. Right, right. But it would be a great video to pull out, okay, what really does work? Because the dude is averaging like almost eight assists a game. That's really good. Um, And, you know. It's It's been close to 10 over the past few games. yeah yeah. so you know what i mean so he there's something there but again i do have some reservations about the about what's going on from the bench side and whether or not they can actually solve that and uh it just leaves me empty whenever i watch a sixers game and um you know perhaps if i do a video that might actually have some positive effect on on how they play who if you were
0: in control of things with the sixers who would you keep between joel and ben
1: oh it's joel without question
0: Okay. You just mentioned that uh, Ben has been posting up. Speaking of the post-ups, Rick Carlisle said the post-up is not a good play anymore. Where do you land on the value of, of the post-up in today's NBA?
1: Well, you know, I, I did a video on that. and uh, I, I kind of lit uh, Coach Carlisle up a little bit because he had said you know, that it's diminishing returns. And in the context of talking about Luca's post-ups. So here's what I've been doing. I've done a couple of videos on this recently where I think people uh, the re- it's a chicken on the egg situation because I think back in Oh four and Oh five, when they first started measuring the post-up uh, efficiency, they weren't including a tough post-up move to the rim that misses and then gets put right back. And in my right. mind, that's the same play. You've collapsed the defense. You're right there. And either you put it right back in or your teammate. Now, so that started happening. D'Antoni was like, look, they're inefficient. We shouldn't do them. So they stopped doing them, and then the footwork got bad. Now, now, the, now the post-ups are, are bad anyway because they don't, they don't execute them very well. Uh, but in reality, have we looked at it the right way, I feel like, maybe we would, have, we would have continued to, you know, people have focus on it and then keep their footwork going well and finish well or finish better than they are now. So I don't blame when you watch like a lot of post-up players now, I don't blame coaches for saying, oh, we can't do that. Because, yeah, it it doesn't look pretty a lot of the time. With with, with Porzingis specifically, you know, the dude is so tall and he usually has a mismatch. When he faces up, I don't blame him for just shooting the 14-footer. And we also need to look at in the context of he's been out for a whole year with a major injury. So, to like after like 20 games, just throw that out the window and assume, oh, he's not going to be able to do it when he was pretty good in New York and, and I would have imagined only continued to improve on that, it was it's silly. Now, if you go back in 04 and 05, I actually called this up and I looked at like, I don't know, uh, I called up a whole bunch of Kevin Garnett post up misses. And I, I watched like, I don't know, 10 in a row. How many do you think were rebounded and put right back in back then? Six. Uh, yeah, it was like, I think it was like six or seven, Right. like, like half of them. It was crazy. Right. So it leads to a bucket either way. It's kind of
0: the same thing with the drive though.
1: Right. Yeah. But the difference is the people back then, the teams back then used to go for offensive rebounds. So the right. other thing that, that came in the fashion is we don't go for offensive rebounds. We want to get back because it's not worth trading the putback for the potential uh, transition three or transition two. Right. I also feel like we could solve that. I feel like more teams could hammer other teams on the offensive boards better uh, and, and find a better balance than we are now. Because that also leads to the next thing, which is we need to reevaluate how we, how we rate defensive rebounds. of these rebounds are like just, just, you don't have to jump. you just kind of fall in your hand. So what's the value of that anymore? It's it's not the same as it used to be. And um, so the whole game is just so radically changed. I I think I'll have to write a book on it. Right. So points, rebounds, assists. How would you like a general stat to
0: be displayed to just kind of let someone know how someone played in general? Obviously, it'll never be perfect. But what would you like to see?
1: Oh, you mean like, well, like in the context of, like, of like PER and that kind of no, stuff? Yeah, but we always ask somebody, how did they play? They just tell you the points,
0: rebounds, assists, you know, because that's what's in the newspaper. I guess it's not newspapers anymore. We see it on social media, but I mean, should yeah. rebounds even be next to points and assists?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a good question. I mean, there could be a stat for contested rebounds, and that would be interesting to me. Right, but again, right. There are hardly any of those because no one goes for the offensive rebound anymore so exactly i don 't know like, like and, and just to mention PER, i don 't like it i don 't know what it means it doesn 't seem to have any i, I can 't fathom it, it never made sense to me anyway it 's a whole bunch of just things mashed all together so I think it's you know luckily because it's hard to uh, to evaluate that things that's probably why you know I'm my, I have some popularity because <laughs> you need the eyes on there you need the footage to look at it to really figure out because there's plenty of games for plenty of players with, with pretty gaudy stats that end up I don't think having a good game. Do you like the plus minus stat? Uh, I I like it when it only when I can manipulate it in my favor to make a point that I want to make. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shift to Zion. Um, there's been reports that he's
0: relearning how to run, that seems like a daunting task because I know how hard it is to try and even tweak your jump shot a little bit. What are your thoughts on that?
1: yeah well you know we used to say I, I mean and probably still exists now i used to go across like the d1 uh, coaches and talk to them a lot about shooting for instance and none of them would ever say they could help someone's form at that level that's too late you know we just hope that they can get confidence which yeah. is like the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard in my entire life for and sure. even then it was although i shrugged and now having been able to help people you know with uh, with their form and with their uh, mechanics you know as late as at any age seems silly but uh, again we also know so much more about biomechanics and functional movement and obviously uh, this guy needs a lot of work on that so I'm really happy to hear that he's doing it because it will make him better now the funny thing is is he's such an amazing athlete and you know my first instinct is to say it's the weight right that's really what he needs to do I'm in the middle of a three-day juice cleanse I'm gonna drop I don't know 10 pounds and not even really working out this nice. guy, if he did a three or four day juice cleanse, you know, A, he would feel so much better. And then B, he would drop 20 pounds. And then he's almost there. I don't understand what they're, what they're doing over there because that to me is the biggest issue. I'm watching the footage we see of him moving around in the last like month. I don't know. He doesn't look in shape to me at all. He looks heavy. And I don't, and that's my biggest concern for him. But, but to get to your point, uh, yeah, functional movement is really important. And retraining your gait is, uh, it, it can be valuable if it's done properly. Right. So, I mean, if they're retraining
0: him um, in how to walk and, and how to run, do you feel like he should just shut it down for the rest of the season?
1: Oh, no. I mean, I, it sounds like he already wants to come back, and they're going to put pressure And if If Lonzo keeps playing well, maybe they're in some of these games. Look, I had predicted they were going to be in the playoffs. They were going to be really tough uh, with Zion. So, yeah. you know, you never know if, if Gentry can win that because Gentry's been losing so lot, so long, and God bless him. He's been there and, and been able to stick it out when I would think other coaches would not have. So I would imagine he's going to have a lot of pressure on the, on the front office to say, like, listen, we need him in here. We can make a run, especially because the 7th and 8th seeds are really are losing records right now in the West. Like, they have a legitimate shot, which is crazy to think because it's not been the way in the past. So I would I – would, listen, we need it. They need him to come back. The ratings are down, and we need – some jolting, in, you know, more excitement and energy in the room.
0: Right, and Brandon Ingram's playing great as well, so we'll see what develops over there for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm. High, I, I was high on them, and I'm looking forward to to uh, you know get it, getting him out there. I mean, I, I thought he could lead. I don't know if I said this in the in the breakdown I did in the beginning of the year before he got hurt, but like I kind of was musing that he could lead the league in scoring. No, I, that's not true because of uh, Harden and stuff. But he he could score twenty some a game, easy as a really, uh, yeah, lead the I league. Mean, you, did you see the kind of shots he was getting in the preseason? It was ridiculous, and because, especially because the offense works so well for a guy like that. So, um, I mean, he, he would end up he, – he'd score – he'd get like, you know, 10 dunks a game. It was crazy, even against pros. So, um, we'll see. I guarantee you if he gets in the normal minutes, he'll score 18, 19 easy. No problem. No problem. Okay, okay. Now, his jump j- shot, that's the next problem, right? That's, that's even uglier than anything else. That, yeah, uh, he has to average. retrain that as well, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's all funky, whatever, and you know what I've seen funky releases go in uh, too, but um, you know, and and that's 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 you know down the line he doesn't he he might not need it like guys like Julius Randle, who can do twenty and ten without it, uh, although he is actually slowly developing a three point yeah. shot too, uh, you know that tells me that there's still a room for for a guy like that in the league, and the funny thing is is that, like, even the guy like Manimal uh, Fareed was primed to be like an all star and you know in that role. And then all of a sudden, the league completely changed. And overnight, he was obsolete and out of the league, right? It was weird. But yeah. even, when he, even when he came back after that shift, he was playing pretty well. Right. But like, but it, the shift had taken place, right? right so right. suddenly, we, don't, we need you to be able to shoot. But then again, what happens? Montrezl Harrell comes back and comes into the picture. Yeah. And he's basically doing what Fareed was doing, Right. Um, for the, I mean, it's a little bit different, but like, so there is room for those kind of guys, which is exciting to me because whenever someone says, oh, we can't have that kind of player anymore at this position, that always makes me scratch my head. And and I would hate to throw up my hands if I was a guy like her. Imagine if Montrezl Harrell believed that or, or, you know, listen to that. He wouldn't be in the league anymore either. Um, and, and by the way, that also plays into the notion of like, let's get some more offensive rebounds. Let's go back to some of the things that really worked way back in the day. Right, would you trade Harold for a rim protector such as Miles Turner? Oh, from the Clipper standpoint? Yeah. Oh man, I mean Harold is such a force and in the locker room and and all those things. Miles Turner is a nice guy and but he doesn't have <laughs> that ferocity, right? Right. So I don't I wouldn't make that trade. Uh, you know, I think with um Zubats they have a little bit of rim protection, okay. and um, you know I don't think that that's the issue. Although it, it, it would be worthy of really dig, doing a deep dive from my end to to figure out what's going on with the Clippers. Although I would probably end up pointing to the fact that they're just playing in you know um, uh, Kawhi uh, every other game, and that's just gonna you know that's gonna be tough.
0: Yeah, I mean it's kind of hard to turn the on off switch when it comes to the playoffs, right? Like to turn that switch on.
1: Well, we, you know, I, I, I would say that every year, and then LeBron would show us that, you know, he could do it. And, you know, certainly Kawhi could too, but it's also the rest of the team. Can they get used to Kawhi, get a rhythm going? I would imagine that Kawhi will end up playing the last, you know, 10 games of the year straight or 10 or 12. But also it's, it's worth being said that it, it looks to me that Kawhi is just permanently injured, and it really must be painful for him to go through these games. And even, st- even then, at, he's probably like 85%, and he's still – you know yeah maybe the best player in the league
0: yeah he gets a shot whenever he wants especially in the mid-range you know he's mm-hmm. he's just the beast for sure but the reason i was asking you about that trade was because i feel in a seven game series even though the lakers have lost to the clippers in the regular season i feel like the lakers are so strong um they have lob threats you know they have lebron could score down there ad could score down there even javel mcgee could score down there and it just seems that the clippers lack rim protection
1: you know, uh, that, it's true. It's, I need to look at the numbers to see what the defensive uh, field goal percentage is around the rim for the Clippers. But, um, right. you know, it, it could be. I mean, you know, it's more to me that they match up well because they have Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard to play against AD and, and LeBron. That's really – so less rim protection for me and more like who can guard those two guys. The Clippers right. have that. Then you throw out Beverly. Then you throw out, um, you know, Har- Harrell. Uh, those are some problems on the other end, too, that the Lakers might not be able to handle. So and I, I forgot Dwight Howard. So. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. by the way, Dwight Howard deserves a video. He's been playing terrific, too. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a rough thing. Now, here's a question about the Lakers. Two things. One is, you know, they almost exclusively go down to the low post down the stretch in close games. And it's a, it's another one of those throwbacks, a delightful throwback, but I don't know if you can trade twos for threes against a good team in the conference finals. That might be tough down the stretch of the games. So, uh, that keeps my, my, uh, ears up. Also, I'm doing a video I'm releasing, I think, today, I guess, or if it's too late tomorrow, about the, what the Pistons did to the Lakers. And they attacked incessantly. Um, they, I think they averaged like 57 drives a game or 56. They did 60. No, whatever it was, they ended up having like 63 drives in that game, which, is, which would have been way above, uh, you know, would have been number one if they did that for the whole year. And uh, they generated a ton of free throws. They got fouls on them. Nobody in foul trouble, but they got free throws. And they also got the shot block 20 times. So it's a real interesting dichotomy there, especially because they were so underhanded. Is it worth it to continually go in there and go in there and get your shot block, but also draw fouls and get free throws? And let's not forget, when you shoot a free throw, now you're in position to get back on defense a lot better. So, um, and they almost did it. They almost pulled it out that win. So I'm looking at that thinking, OK, that might be a way uh, for other teams to attack. And you can imagine if the Pistons could generate 35 free throws uh, and the Clippers did that, they would get 45-50
0: analytically, it's the highest value shot in basketball.
1: What, the shot of the rim? The free throw. Oh, the free throw. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I mean, it's not for Dwight Howard, but okay. It's That's, true. <laughs> That's
0: true. That's true. That's true. I was speaking to the Pistons, though.
1: Yeah. Okay, right. I mean, yeah. It, it, and so I, and it, what's cool about this video I'm doing is that I'm going to probably open some people's eyes to, to what the value is, aside from just, you know, like, I don't think many people think about it like, oh, yeah, they get to be, they're set on defense now because you're generating those fouls. Right. Now, if they had just done it a little bit more judiciously, or I don't even know if they could have done it this way, but no nobody got more than three fouls. And it's hard to, like, target someone like that. But you can kind of coach that. And had they been able to do that for LeBron or, you know, because JaVale only plays 20 minutes and he got a bunch of blocks, he'll never be in foul trouble. Uh, same with Dwight. So it's almost like a blessing for the Lakers that they probably won't have to deal with that, at least from that position. But, you know, AD could, could be susceptible to that because I don't think he's always on point defensively and catch him out of, off um, – out of position and you get a you get a ad out of there down the stretch uh the lakers are beatable uh, who do you like out, the, out of the west i mean right now uh, I, uh like i guess you'd have to kind of say the lakers although like, like what i just said i'm a little bit concerned about how they operate um i think I mean, i'm still like when i see the clippers at their best that's the best team in the league but like, like without question in my mind they haven't consistently done that and it makes sense because of the injuries and how they're managing load but um I, I still say because of both sides of the ball, I got to go with the Clippers.
0: Does it depend on who Darren Collison gets picked up by? Now, that's the question.
1: You know, I, I like Darren Collison. He's he's okay. nice, a nice player. He's solid. He's You know, they have Rondo, who is basically that same player. Does Collison shoot the three a little bit better than Rondo? Like, okay. Uh, does Rondo see the floor better than Collison? Right. Probably you know, uh, do they each play defense similarly? Like, probably. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's the kind of guy that's only going to help, uh, like, a contender, you know, who has a little hole on their bench, right, that, that they could fill. He's not going to end up being a starter on, like, a, you know, a mediocre team and really helping them. So, uh, you know, why? Are the Clippers interested in getting him, too? Yeah, he's working out in L.A., and it seems like he'll
0: sign with either the Clippers or the Lakers because I think huh. he wants to be in L.A. From what I'm okay. hearing, I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, no, I I haven't really been hearing. All I heard, you know, briefly Lakers, but um, you know, let's see it. But so you know, I don't know where the Lakers find him time. I like Caruso, I like him. Yeah, you know, I, do I hate too. to see him. And by the way, I, I I didn't think he was a bona fide NBA player for a while, and I think he's pretty much convinced me this year that he is a legit NBA player. Um, and he's smart and he's he's athletic. He, and and he 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 just seems to be the guy who's always on the floor when they make their best runs. It's interesting. Uh, and by the way, you asked me how would I ascertain a player based on like, well, any kind of stat. Like, there is no stat for that. But if you look at it and you just notice that the Lakers have the most fun, you know, and the most amazing play yes. when when Caruso was out there, and they don't when Rondo is out there.
0: <laughs> right, and, and Caruso has great chemistry with LeBron.
1: Yeah. There's no question. I'm sure he had to earn it. It probably was not easy, but just like for me, like I, he is a legit NBA player now. And I don't think I believe that until now. And, um, you know, so they, I I don't see how Collison fits into that rotation anyway, you know, and then do you, if you do that and Rondo loses his 20 minutes a game, you know, how well is that going to work in the locker room? I, I, I would have a hard time believing that would, that would, that, that Rondo would be perfectly okay with that.
0: Right. Okay. I want to shift to some of the younger players in the league. On this podcast, I really like talking about not only how players are playing at the current moment, but how can we project their career to be? Um, I think that's really interesting. So, Shai Gilchrist-Alexander and Michael Porter Jr., what do you see? All-star potential? Superstar potential? What do you see when you watch these players play?
1: Sure. Well, Shea really is, you know, I, I tweeted out a movie he had last night. And basically the word that comes to mind for me is polished. He, and he was always polished that way. He came in kind of like a vet, like not under control, never went too fast. Uh, and right. he's just going to keep getting better. So I'll start for sure for him without question in my mind. Uh, and he's leading a, an OKC team that's surprising everybody. And he's part of the best three-man, uh, um, three-man lineup in the NBA. They're like him. And it's weird. It's a three-guard lineup. Him. Schroeder and uh, CP3, it's like a plus 32.4 net rating or something crazy like that. So um, love him. He's going to be great. He is, he, he's, he's already really, really good. He can pass as well. Um, and as his shot gets better, too, he's going to be great. Michael Porter Jr., I just did a, uh, um, a video on him because he went like 10 for 11 and lit it up. Right. And, you know, he's on a really – it's a tough team to get minutes on that, on that squad. Uh, but, you know, after that game, he played like 11 minutes and they lost, you know, big time and he, he didn't look great. So I think he's just going to be up and down another guy who's missed so much time that we, you know, he's just going to have to, you know, get minutes somehow to get comfortable, but I don't know if it's going to be in Denver. That's the problem. Either they move somebody or they move him. And, and that's when we're going to be able to see him really blossom into what he could be, which, you know, could be, you know, I I think he could be an all-star, but, um, you know, it's 50 50 right now the way this is going. So Nick, it seemed, well, Mark Stein reported that, uh,
0: he thinks the midseason tournament will be green-lighted. Do you think it'll be a success if
1: it is? Oh, for the NBA, uh, what, yeah, um, taking a page out of European, uh,
0: out of the European basketball book, pretty much. Uh,
1: yeah, wait, I'm sorry. It was the midseason tournament. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I had seen other people really um, present cases that would make it such a really like a bad idea because, um, oh boy, I'm forgetting. It was some interesting arguments about it. Um, you know because because there's rewards for winning that midseason tournament right right exactly a million dollars i think
0: player was that, okay that, right that so like
1: so some teams you know are are trying to like you know get a high draft pick but then they also maybe oh, they all want to win the million dollars it, it's interesting um listen it, the only problem i have with all this is that it's indicative of a really a really big drop in ratings right if everything was working fine that way they wouldn't be coming up with these ideas yeah. and if, if you get to that point and you're like, okay, well, why are the ratings down? And then you start looking at the style of play. And I, I've had, I got to I gotta admit it. Like I, I have a hard time watching a lot of the games these days. I watch. Really? For, yeah. I'll watch for five minutes, six minutes. And I get distracted. It's not compelling to me. Um, you know, it's a lot of the threes, a lot of the up and down, back and forth, the high, uh, high pace games. It doesn't capture my interest for some reason. And maybe eventually I'll get used to it and I will again, but Um, that's a problem that I suspect a lot of people are dealing with, and then you know, we'll have to find out when the NFL season's over. It's over, right? Are we done now? NFL, I think so.
0: I think so. Please,
1: I'm not not a big football guy, Nick. (laughs) Um, so you know, that'll that'll probably give them a little bit of an uptick, but yeah, it's it's so that's that's my my main concern is that the game is moving somewhere, and it could just be a natural ebb until everybody kind of gets used to it and then finds ways to get back into it, and then the ratings go back up, but um it's quite possible that it might never, you know, it might never capture the imagination like it used to because of the way the, play, the game is played. Yeah, I think a
0: lot of it is that the under 30 crowd, they just pay more attention to YouTube. Uh, b- by the way, make sure you go subscribe to B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube. But, you know, it just, things with uh, shorter form content, you know?
1: Well, also, it's ridiculous that if I'm in L.A. and I fire, I'm on, I'm like at a restaurant, and I fire up my phone to watch a minute of the Lakers, I can't on the League right. Pass app. Yeah, that's there's, there, there's issues with it, right? Yeah, like, well, no, I mean, it won't, it's blacked out. And then I have to. if I have Spectrum, then I can kind of get the Spectrum app. But by the way, I, I, I was recording it on my uh, my DVR, so I fire up my DVR app, and it's free, I can't watch it that way. It won't oh let me God. watch it. It's blacked out that way. So it's like, that's insane. And then when the game's over, if I want to watch Lakers game, I got to wait three days because I'm local in L.A. Now, you know, multiply that across anybody living in any of their cities. What is that? What's that about? Why would they ever, like, forbid anybody from that long or watching a game on League Pass after the game is over? It's insane. They're hassling people like me, too, on, on YouTube using footage way after the fact, even though it has nothing to do with a live game and the, and the ratings that are so down. So um, that's all part of it, and they, have it, they, they really made some poor decisions. Right. I think pages like yours
0: helps the NBA. I mean, there's more eyes on the NBA.
1: Um, I, I would agree with that. I certainly, I mean, here's the thing. There are some, you know, YouTube channels that just do highlights, right? Right, And I get that If, if they're, if they're not really doing anything, you know, to, to add to the footage, you know, then I get it. The NBA would want them to go to the NBA's YouTube page to watch that. And there's money to be made just from the YouTube side on their end. So I get that too um you know what i do though i feel like is pretty significantly different that, and i'm adding a lot to it so yeah like i i you know i hopefully i'm not gonna get hassled too much for that but um and it would be silly because again i'm not taking live views away from anybody my videos heck the video i'm doing on the, on the pistons lakers game the game was played on sunday it's tuesday like right. <laughs> i'm not taking any views away from that right i'm looking forward to that video um nick it's always great having you on the
0: show you're always welcome back where can we find you
1: well, you can find me, uh, B-Ball Breakdown, anywhere. So if you type in B-Ball on YouTube, it'll probably autofill to B-Ball Breakdown, simply because I've been around for that long. Uh, and then Twitter is always fun, and you can always, I, I respond mostly there. Instagram is another big place where I've been doing a lot of cool stuff recently, so ha- follow me over there. And by the way, the, really quickly, the political podcast is called The Muckrake Political Podcast. And if you want to check that out, it's a really good deep dive into what the politics of today. But we also go into the history too and give you some context of where we are and how we got there.
0: All of that sounds great. Thanks for coming on the show, Nick. You're always welcome back. Talk soon. You got it. Thank you for listening to Combos Court and big shouts to Coach Nick for joining in. We appreciate you. If you would like to support this podcast, there's a few ways you could do so. First off, you could rate review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. You could share this episode via social media or word of mouth, or you could become a Combo's Court Patron. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Appreciate the continued support and be on the lookout for episode 129, Combo out.